We're 13 days into this festival of footy. We're one week into the Victorian hard lockdown and everything is becoming an absolute blur. So with me to hold my hand virtually and point me in the right direction is the punter's prophet himself, the burgeoner of truth, the knower of all things facts and footy, big bustling Baz. How you doing, mate, on this sunny Monday in Melbourne? I have a feeling that's just uh, what you just said there, just to warm me up a bit more after yesterday. So, yep. Um, no, I'm going well, going well. Just uh, a few things could have gone a bit better yesterday for Callum. Just could have uh, scored another three more points, not lost by uh, any more than not 20. It would have been good, but uh, that happens. And the rain never came in the West Coast game, unfortunately. So we never really got to see the, the uh, West Coast team uh, under pressure in the wet and see whether they can play a different style of footy. But I'm, I'm good. Uh, week one down, five to go. Exactly right. We can try and repeat the football, but we'll leave the weather to the people that do it best, and that's absolutely no Into our first segment, what just happened? The big wins and bad beats of round 11A. And we had three premiership auditions last week or over the weekend. Uh, one involving two premiership sides and two premiership teams taking on teams they should have dealt with easily if they are indeed premiership teams. The first one, obviously, the big game, the heavyweight battle, the one where we went head-to-head in our tips as well. Port Adelaide, 13-15, 93, defeated Richmond, 11-6, 72. And Baz, even though Port took down the reigning premiers, the juggernaut, the New England Patriots of football, the Richmond Tigers, they are still not flag favourites in the bookmakers' eyes. What was your breakdown of this game? Did Port prove that they are premiership contenders uh, or is it just a fact that it was an injured Richmond side and there's not much to take out of this game? Oh, I think Port showed what they're capable of and, yeah, you know, Richmond are missing a few, but they might not get them back. And to be fair, Port Adelaide are missing a couple of players that have been pretty important to their setup this year as well. So... Uh, Marshall and, and Motlop was probably playing the best footy of his career before he uh, he went down injured and Marshall's been pretty important for their fall on setup but it, you know what it enables other players to play and step up and like Richmond they've had players step up and probably have as well and Paul had smashed in every main KPI and again as St Kilda have shown as, as Brisbane you know if they had a kick straight would have shown as well um, they're very vulnerable down back the Richmond defence so and Across the midfield, you know, is is Cochin and Prestia going to make up, you know, what were they, 25 plus 25 plus 30 in inside 50s? They smashed them in contested ball, which isn't a really big thing for Richmond anyway. But, you know, you can't keep having those stats and those numbers against you like they have been against the teams that are in the top four or five they've played against and struggled against. So, um, you know, yeah, they're getting away with it and they're getting close in season, but, you know, you can't. It won't happen in finals. Last year, let's be honest, they should have been beaten by Brisbane, uh, and they got away with it. Like, like they got away with one. And this year, you know, when they've come against the top sides, they've been exposing those those KPIs, and they put out expose them again, and were able to put it on the scoreboard. And people complain about the umpiring. Well, there was two games in the weekend that had some poor umpiring. This was one of them, um, especially some of the free kicks early. But after that, the umpires put the whistle away, but lots of things, and uh, it, it played out all right. And but, yeah, it was a good game. The intensity was up and it was pretty hard watching the next game after this because the intensity was nowhere near the same. And um, I think Port just proved that why they should be number one team and why I've been talking them up all year. And, uh, yeah, we'll just have to wait another six weeks before the final start now, I suppose. Yeah, well, speaking of talking them up, Baz, anytime I tell you I'm not going to tip Port, please remind me 
that I was the patron saint of Port Adelaide for the last three seasons and that I should stick to my guns because that was a very silly mistake by me on the last pod. I definitely should have gone with Port. Just backing over some of the stats you mentioned there as well. So the big ones for me, you already mentioned the inside 50s. The count there was 55 to 24. And really the only reason why Richmond were in this game is they had 71% efficiency going inside 50. So 17 shots from 24 entries. And they were all over the back shots. So they have this real focus on trying to score over the back. And then when it doesn't happen, they're not taking mid-range shots. So again, as we said, unlike Brisbane, unlike Port, unlike St Kilda even, they're not willing to take the hit-up lead and kick from 30, 30 out. They want to go over the top and kick from 25 and closer. And Port Adelaide didn't allow that to happen. And then also the big one is the clearance count. So 40 to 22 in Port Adelaide's favour. And that's going to be the same. The big the big size will be that come September, Brisbane, Port have huge midfields. And obviously do you, you don't think that the a return of the midfield cavalry, will that make up the difference in, you know, 20-odd clearances across a game for Richmond. No, I don't, think, I don't think it will. And I think your ruck, you know, you got to, you're going to get exposed a lot more. Ruck. A lot of teams, especially the top teams at the moment, have really good ruckmen. And Laddams is uh, playing in, what, his fifth or sixth game. And he, him and um, Lysette Monster, like, you, hit, I'm pretty sure they beat you at hitouts, and which led to the stoppages. And they just compete really well. And I think Soto and Chol are getting found out a bit. And they ain't quite make a massive difference because he's got no impact around the ground. And I think... From what you've seen, the top ruckman at the moment, you need to have an impact around the ground as well. So, um, and Richmond scored some goals from really like dumb play from Port Adelaide, I think, and especially kick-ins. They they scored a couple of goals from you know coast to coast from kick-ins as well, which it's hard to see that being allowed in in finals football the way that it will be a bit more congested. So, yeah, I just think that there's. There's too many things against Richmond here. And, yeah, they've been a great side for the last few years, but I think they've got some holes and, um, yeah, a bit of a worry with their midfield and their, their depth overall. Because, yeah, yeah, all right, you might get those players back in, but then what happens with Bolton, who's been playing his best football for the, you know, of his career, he won't stay in the midfield if Pressure and um, Cochin come back. So what, what happens with him? Does he get pushed back to a half forward or a wing and then he loses form? You know, we've seen that. We've seen it happen a lot with different players. Like, we've, you know, um, probably Brayshaw is the biggest one getting talked about a lot at the moment. Is you know, a different role, um, not getting as much footy. A lot of pressure goes on him, so you know it, it makes things hard as well. So, and then what happens to Bolter? Bolter's been awesome for your year. Ashbury comes back, and where does he play? Like, can you play another tour? Like, so yeah, it just depends on you know people. Say, I love it how people always bring up you know we've got players that come back in. Well, every team has players that come back in. You can't rely on that those things to happen, those players come back in because who might get, who else might get injured in the meantime? Will, if they come back, will they be 100% fit? We've had a shortened season. It's going to be harder for players who have been injured for a long period of time to get match fitness, get their touch back as well because they can't play, you know, uh, VFL games or anything like that. So, yeah, it's just going to be a lot harder for teams, I reckon, this year to bring back injured players at the back end and expect to get the job done. The other question mark around Port Adelaide to transition across the side that actually won is – there's a lot of asterisks being put around this saying, oh, it's just a home win. They're a great team at home. They're a great team at Adelaide Oval, but can they do it in Queensland? Can they do it in WA? Can they do it in a neutral venue if that's where the finals are at? Did this win over Richmond, which ended up being quite a convincing one, 21 points, does that show that they have a dominance over the other top six teams? Or is it just the fact that they play Adelaide Oval really well and they need to prove it again somewhere else? I think I think they just they play genuine. Like they're just playing really good footy. They've got the 
they've got the contested mark beast down the line. So, you know, Lysette can play that. West Offie comes in and play that. Marshall's doing that before. Uh, he got injured. Um, I'm not, I can't pronounce his name. Genopolis, Genopolis, whatever his name is. He, he's proven to be able to do that. And, then of course, you've got Dixon. And, and their back line with Mackenzie Jonas, um, they can take a, a good contested, you know, intercept mark as well. So, for me, going forward, like, they've just got – and they've proven that they can move the ball quickly and chain and link up and hit, hit up, use hit-ups and hit Robbie Gray or – Connor Rosie or Butters is just the last two weeks has been amazing. He's been released in the midfield and it's been really, really good. We've seen how good Boca and Wines have been. I just think they've got the game style. They can play different game styles. They can do what they need to do and they can get the job done anywhere. And it doesn't rely on Dixon. We saw him on the weekend. He didn't really have a big impact. I mean, he did in the game, I suppose, by bringing the ball to ground and stuff, but he didn't kick their goals, really, did he? So just shows they've got a lot more depth and a lot more... Uh, they can do whatever they want. And the best thing I think about this is I've spoken about leadership and that a lot this year is at three got a time. You saw Hardwick imploring his players to go, like, keep going. You know, we're, we're good at this. Ken Inkley was nice, calm, reserved. Um, didn't look like he was like, you know, kept uh, Hardwick. I haven't really seen Hardwick do that a lot as a coach. I don't know if you, you watch a lot, probably a lot more Richard as I do, but I never seen him get that animated at a three quarter time speech. So it just it probably says a lot where both clubs are at as well. With I think Port Adelaide have got the, definitely the right mindset. They're not going to rest players. They're um, it's going to take it one week at a time, and there's no excuses. It is what it is kind of attitude where you know you're seeing other clubs resting players or um, using that that travel as an excuse. They're just like oh, well, it's out of our control. We're going to rock up and have no excuses. If we lose, we're not blaming travel or anything. We're just blaming we weren't good enough. So. I think that three-quarter time break did show the difference between the two sides, as you mentioned. I think Port Adelaide entered that break being like, our best footy will beat this team. Whereas I think Richmond was like, we're got ourselves and clawed ourselves into a position where we can pinch a win here and one that we probably thought we weren't going to get. And so that's why I think we had the difference. Because again, you look at the, the look at the last quarter stats, 19 to two inside 50s resulting in three goals to none. So Richmond had the fight to try and, keep that margin as close as possible. But in the end, on that day in particular, Port Adelaide were the the far better side and then got the win that they deserved. Again, all the questions come around what happens when they meet each other, probably meet each other again in finals. And at this stage, it looks like Port has everything in their advantage. It's just how much improvement can Richmond make between now and then, given all those changes that can and can't happen, depending on injuries and stuff and all the inner... the unpredictables, you, you can't really see that far out from, from finals. But I think we both agree now that Port is in pole position and we'll get to some stock market decision-making uh, towards the end of this segment because they are still being very much underrated by the bookmakers. So two other games happened on the weekend involving uh, premiership contenders in most people's eyes. The second of which was one that frustrated you greatly, West Coast 11-6-72, defeated Carlton 7-8-50. Now, did that game show any cracks in the Eagles' apparent Western Australian dominant position? I think the last two weeks, that if teams can maintain it, Geelong, who were pretty much on the man as well, and Carlton, who you know up and coming and young, a lot's been made of uh, Carlton's uh, turnarounds. They've they've leaked goals at uh, I think it was what, fourteen every thirty-one games. They've they've had a thirty-point turnaround in in being in front to losing. Um, so Carlton, I need to sort that out. Jeez, the umpire didn't help him yesterday. I, I personally didn't have money invested, um, but 
Jeez, if you had if you had money on that game, especially you can't align and you were hoping the rain came and you saw some of those umpiring decisions, I think you have every right to ask for money back because that was some of the worst umpiring and inconsistent umpiring towards one team. And I'm a Collingwood supporter and I hate Carlton. I don't want them to be any good. I don't want them to win. But that umpiring was disgusting. But I, I think if, if you take away West Coast's ability to switch the play and kick and kick kick ball. Um, you can open them up and it was the, the solid they made them play. Uh, they took away that they didn't allow them to have those big contested marks down the line and that, that link and run play that they can do it out at Perth. And they're not very, they're not very good. I think I, they're a bit better than not very good, but I don't think they're they, like at the moment they're getting lumped in that top four. And so I think people's top four at the moment is Port and Brisbane probably in one and two. And then people are lumping in Richmond and West and West Coast based off previous years. So they've been there, they've done it before. They've usually a top four contenders. They've played in prelims, they've played in grand finals, they've won premierships, and people are hesitant to rule them out. Unlike you, making the brave decision to put line through teams early, and so that's why I think they're getting lumped in based on history. And, and fair enough, that's a pretty good predictor of future results often. But I think, especially the West Coast game, you can see that they're just not that dominant especially against sides like Carlton, that they should be beating if they are a top four, top two side. When Carlton brought the heat early and, and that pressure gauge was up, that it really affected West Coast game plan and they had nothing. And Nick Nack, I think um, Carlton may have made a mistake by letting Pitney go back in the ruck. I reckon De Koning was jumping at Nick Nack and giving him something, not trying to body him and giving him something different that we hadn't seen before. And when he when De Koning went out of the, out of the ruck, it allowed... Uh, uh, Nick Nat to probably have a bit more influence around the ground at the stoppages. And I think if Carlton could, could have evened up those stoppage counts a bit more, it would have been a, a even more of an interesting game because really Carlton were probably scoring more on turnovers and uh, getting the ball back from uh, West Coast kicking along down the line than trying to get it from stoppages because at stoppages they'll get mauled. So if you can take away West Coast stoppage game, which is, I mean, it's a bit harder to do than, you know, than you think because obviously you've got Nick Nat who's pretty dominant. But if you probably takes, I reckon teams will take some tape out of what the Cunning was able to do to Nick Nat and his follow-up work. If you can do that and, and break even with West Coast, then you go a long way to beat them because they are rely, heavily relying on stoppage stoppage dominance to, to win games and to be able to score. So I think there's a big crack in West Coast. I'd have Richmond ahead of West Coast and I can't believe that West Coast are that dominant favourites for the premiership market because I just don't think they're anywhere near... Um, the top four, I'd have St Kilda ahead of West Coast even if you're looking at the market. So, yeah, I just, I don't think West Coast are that good and they're just, they've had a good draw, to be honest as well. They've had a pretty good draw since they got back from uh, from Brisbane. Even the last two games in Brisbane, they had it pretty sweet. So, um, yeah, I'll be looking for, uh, that. you haven't played them yet, have you? Richard haven't played West Coast, have they? Because that, that game got postponed. Mm. They've already played Brisbane and Poilade, haven't they? So, really, um, yeah, they've got a, they've probably got an even better draw the next six weeks because they don't really get the play. They've already played Collingwood. Um, they've probably they've played Geelong. So they've played most of the top eight sides already. So they're going to have a pretty cruisy run home. And I actually fear for some teams in the one home. I've spoken about it on a chat, I'll chat with a few of you boys already that if you've got nothing to play for, no fight. You know, you know you're going to play finals at the second half of the last six weeks. You're in a hub in a state. You know you've got to come home and quarantine for two weeks as well. Geez, uh, playing football becomes a pretty low priority. Yeah, it will be tough for a lot of teams 
Running out of the funnels race. Last one of the additions in the weekend was Brisbane, 14 12, 96, defeated Western Bulldogs, 11 6, 72. Pretty much all is what we expected, except 72 points for the West, Western Bulldogs is a very high number for them this year. And we get all concerned about Brisbane's defence, um, given their, they kind of seem to give points away to everyone. No, I'm not worried. I, I, their defence in midfield's top, top line, and that's proven in all the KPIs. My biggest concern, and um, Lee Montagna went over it last night on the last by the first crack, sorry, um, is their scoring, their ability to score because, like, yeah, they scored 96 points and they're generally a high score, but they're creating so many looks. Like they had 26 scoring shots again against the Doggies and they kicked 14-12. They've got the lowest um, conver- I think conversion rate and uh, accuracy in front of goal in the AFL, which I think in the previous five years, I think you were saying something, I can't remember exactly what he was saying, but um, it was exact quote. But it was something like the last five years, if early in the top four and accuracy or top five and accuracy in the comp to win a flag, um, teams outside of that don't win. And it's something that Brisbane needs to fix. And um, yeah, I, I don't know if Fagan would actually bring it up and be talking about it because it'd probably add to the pressure, but yeah, they need to start converting and they need to start putting teams away and have that opportunity because we saw against Richmond, they dominated for half and then got blown away. Could have been a lot different. Um, and they really dominated a good two two or three quarters against the Western Bulldogs. And again, they just didn't put, it, like, put them away. And even in that last quarter, I reckon Brisbane kind of took the pedal off and rested a few, like put a few players in different positions. And they were obviously very careful with Charlie Cameron as well because he's got a bit of a sore knee to... That's probably why the doggies got back in the game a bit, but um, yeah, I think Brisbane are fine, mate. They'll, they'll their defense is a a plus, their midfield's a plus. It's whether they can uh, get enough from their four line and convert and be a bit more accurate in front of goal. Yep, and that's reflected in the market as we see it. The big value here is Brisbane and Port Adelaide. They're still offering seven dollars for those two sides to win the premiership this year, whereas West Coast is at four dollars seventy five and Richmond six dollars. So. We're reaching the point now where we're thinking it's a four-horse race. If it's a four-horse race, then it's 25% chance for each of those teams. Pretty simple maths. But at $7, yeah. they're saying that that's only 14% chance. So you've got 11% chance upside or edge on the bookies if you agree with us and think that Port and Brisbane are in the front, in the front seat. So as we said last couple of weeks, if you can get anything over five for Brisbane or Port leading up into the funnels, keep taking it, keep doubling down because they're going to be there come September or whenever the funnels are played this year. Um, whereas teams like Richmond and West Coast, whilst deservedly in that top four position based on their current form and historically, they're too short for mine, especially West Coast at 475. That's basically that's almost weird. 25%. That's way too short to bother putting any cash on. So they'll fade out. And if you're interested, then take them in after they fade. But yeah, the two value bets there, the two smart money bets, in my opinion, Brisbane and Port Adelaide. Moving on to our round 11B previews. Not as exciting as uh, the weekend where we had some uh, undercards and the big heavyweight bout, but some confusing and hard games to tip. And in a strange year, getting this week right might set you up for a nice tipsters championship win uh, in this COVID season. So the first game is an eight shaper in my opinion. Geelong, $1.55 favourites against St Kilda. $2.45 outsiders, very strangely in my opinion. They're playing at the Gabba tonight. The line here is a goal, the over-under, 128. Now no one, including yourself, Baz, is ready to call St Kilda the real deal. But are they ahead of Geelong when it comes to the form race and the race of the Premiership in your opinion? I can't believe <laughs> 
I know St Kilda weren't that good against Gold Coast and they got exposed a bit um, with their with Gold Coast ball movements. So Gold Coast moved the ball quicker than anyone has all year for metres per minute. Um, and it, t- it led to a lot of clangers and turnovers because I just, they were in that red miss uh, sort of ball movement. But they were able to score pretty easily St Kilda on the turnover and, and get it out the back a fair bit, which led to another um, game of really accurate... Um, goal kicking, but I can't believe they're sitting third in the ladder, um, a game clear of um, Geelong. I know they've played one extra game. Oh, so they've played, both played 10 games, sorry. But how, how is the discrepancy in the market is, that is almost, that's absurd how one team's $1.55 and the other team's $2.45. Do you, do you agree? Or? I absolutely agree. I, I want to take St Kilda so bad that I, I've almost doubled on myself here and going, well, it's too obvious now. Like I'm just seeing that as free money at two dollars forty five, and I'm like, what's the catch? What what do what do the bookies know that I don't know? Because I've been watching St Kilda all year. They're superbly coached. They've got exciting footballers. They play an exciting brand. Everything that Geelong kind of struggles at, and I'm just thinking maybe it's the fact that Geelong plays that similar style of football to Collingwood against these fast paced teams. And Collingwood did an absolute number on St Kilda earlier in the year. So if Geelong shut down and played boring defensive football, slow, considerate football with a huge premium on disposal efficiency, will they do the same thing as Collingwood did St Kilda? No, I kind of think that St Kilda are going to be too too much speed on the outside and and too good. And if they can get that, if they can win the contest and they're going to have a ruck dominance. We already know that. I just think they might be a bit too good for Brisbane uh, for Geelong. Again, I, I, I'm not. Geelong are a decent side. Like they're, they're going to be honest. You, you know what you get from them. But I, I really think that St Kilda have got this, and I can't believe the odds discrepancy. I'm probably going to tip St Kilda. Um, you know they've had a fair bit of travel and turnaround to Geelong, so they're, they're, they're on the quick back up again. So is St Kilda, but um, yeah, I just. I just reckon they match up really well against them, St Kilda. I reckon they're going to have too much speed on the outside. If, if, they can, if they can break even at the clearances and get the game going that they want, um, even though Zach Jones is out, I, I just reckon that yeah, it's going to go all right. I see that um, Gary Rowan, Jake Colesagini and Brandon Parfit come in and Jaden Geary and Jack Bytel, who plays his first game, are coming in for St Kilda. So... Yeah, I'm going to go with secure. I'm going to back in that their, their ruck dominance and their midfield dominance is going to get the, the job done and they're going to beat uh, Geelong on the outside. And if they can make make hay when they go forward and make the most opportunities like they have been the last few weeks in Kilda, they're going to probably have too much scoring power for the Cats. Yep, I agree with that totally. The stats back up as well. So St Kilda have scored 68 points per game against top eight opponents this year, ranked third in the competition. So that's behind Port and Brisbane. So, you know... They're that high in the ladder for a reason. They should be a lot closer in the market for for that reason as well. And as you said, that goal accuracy, they seem to keep getting shots from 15 metres out. And if they do that tonight, that that accuracy will continue and they'll convert. So this seems too much of an edge to pass up on. So I'm taking St Kilda. Probably put some money on it as well. And uh, we'll have to back for St Kilda for the first time all year, Baz. I know. I reckon Geelong will make it a pretty boring, try and make it a boring tower game as well. I reckon they're going to put play it like, they, were, they, they know that's where St Kilda is scoring from and they'll, they'll definitely have numbers behind the ball to try and counteract that. So 
that's going to be really interesting to see if St Kilda can get through that. But I'm backing them too, and I'm backing them to find a way. I reckon they're pretty well coached by Ratten, and um, that, that, they could they could seal their top four spot tonight. And you know, I, I still don't think they're they're there yet. They're they're in the they're in the mix to win a flag. But you know, you finish top four, you're a chance. But you know, I reckon they're better than Geelong. So I'm going to tip them, especially with the two dollars forty five that that market. Swing is uh is is very nice for me to look at. I reckon. Absolutely agree there. They kind of remind me of Port Adelaide a couple of years ago. They're showing all the things that a premiership contender could show, but no one trusts them. And so now this is a game where if you win that, you can go. Yeah, there's a bit more faith here, a bit more belief, a bit more trustworthiness to go and take it into deeper and more classy games towards the end of the year. So we're in greens yeah. there, which is always a bit of a scary thing as well. A couple of 50-50 matchups for the rest of the rounds before we get to our one tip and forget as well. So Monday night, later on this evening, 8.40, Fremantle are $2.10 outsiders against Hawthorne, $1.74 favourites. They're playing at Optus Stadium. The line here is a slender three and a half. The over-under, a very, very low 100 points. Not much scoring expected in this one. Both teams coming off a bye. They should be fresh and ready to bore us to death after an exciting clash between Geelong and St Kilda. I don't know what to do with um, this one, Baz. My I, gut I, says Frio, but... Yeah, I'm a Frio all the way. At home, Stephen Hill comes in as well, which is a big in for them. Uh, Bergwijn goes out for Hawthorne, which is a bigger out. I, I, I reckon Fremantle, if they can play like they did against Collingwood, then they're, they're, they, they beat Hawthorne. They've been very, very honest all year, Frio. They've, they've shown up and given you a lot and... You can almost back him in to be close and keep contests, probably except for one or two games where they got, you know, they weren't that good. They sh- they were pretty ordinary actually, but most of the year they've been pretty consistent. And I reckon they don't have too much for the Hawks. Hard to disagree with you there. And I really don't see I, even if like so everyone's going back to that Carlton game where Hawthorne overcame that lead, but I don't see that happening to any other side except for Carlton. Yeah. My, my only worry is that um, Matt Taberner has to back up what he did uh, against Collingwood and kick those guys and kick another bag. Um, but then Rory Lobb and they've got probably enough midfield. They really need Taberner and Lobb to, to stand up and kick goals. But you look at the defensive Hawthorne, I reckon that's probably one of their weak spots. So, I mean, they're a better side with Bruce and Shields and those sorts of and Wingard all of a sudden in their, in their four line Hawthorne. But and obviously they've got a pretty good midfield with Jaeger and um, Mitchell. But I, I just reckon that, yeah, I reckon all over, all over the ground, Freeman have been good. They've got a good young list. They, they're making moves and they, they, they're probably uh, definitely a step or two ahead of Hawthorne. And I just reckon they're a better side and they should be winning this game. And again, the odds are, are just skewed. And, I, you know, maybe, we, maybe I'm... Maybe I'm a bit silly, but I, I just reckon that two dollars ten and two dollars forty five St Kilda and Fremantle are above the odds, and I'm going to be tipping both of these, and I could be out of my tipping comp by the end of the, by the end of tomorrow night. But uh, yeah, that's the risk we so. take when we try and go with our guts and not with the safe options. But again, the stats back you up. But Hawthorne have been very poor in a lot of key areas, so they've only won first possession from a third of their ball ups this year. So that's showing a lack of midfield grunt in and under. They've conceded a goal from a quarter of their opposition's inside 50s, so that's ranked second last in the league. So if you want Tabernet to kick a bag, Hawthorne's decided to try and do it against. They're not great at contested possession or any of the ground ball and more advanced um, contested and in-contest uh, phase ball numbers. 
uh, and they don't score from forward stoppage. So even if they lock it in, they still don't seem to score. So all the things where teams score heavily in modern football, Hawthorne isn't doing, which makes them an easy team to play against because they're not going to create any scoreboard pressure on you. So, again, weird that Fremantle, who's beaten Collingwood and who's been honest all year, is so far outside against a Hawthorne side that has been a bottom eight side all year. So I'm agreeing with you. Frio here. Sounds like we could be offering a nice little Monday night special on the outside for a nice little value bet come towards the end of the podcast, but uh, people can keep listening for that one. The second 50-50 game, this one finally has odds that make sense. So Wednesday, 7-10, Gold Coast are $1.77 favourites against Essen, $2.05 outsiders at Metricon Stadium. The line here is two and a half. I reckon it should be a bit more than that. Essendon haven't offered much all year, and Gold Coast, whilst they've slipped late, are clearly still around the mark of that middle middle band teams, of that middle six, middle eight type teams. So I presume you're tipping Gold Coast as well, mate. Yeah, we're tipping Gold Coast. For the main, like, it's probably an even game. And you can see that, you can see, I could definitely see Essendon winning. Like, mm. don't get me wrong. But I just worry about where Essendon's at. Like, the, the, they blew that lead against GWS. They changed their game style. They went really safe and defensive in that last quarter. Um, I spoke about the other day, like how they let that goal to Jeremy Cameron at the back when, you know, they should have had a couple of players behind the ball. And if they were definitely playing that that defensive style, which they were, because you see how they, their mantra had changed in that last quarter, then they should have had two blokes behind the footy, one sweeping because it was wet and one at the at the actual long kick to try and make it a two-on-one. So how they didn't have that was baffling. and what, and what But they did it the week before as well when they tried to play that possession game where they tried to, you know, slow the, the game down and everything and they just didn't have enough talent. So I don't know what whether... Rutten's trying different things to try and teach them or whether one coach is having a different say, but apparently it's all good down there. They, they're, Rutten's in control and the players understand that and stuff, but yeah, just, I don't know, maybe it's a bit of a wasted year. They've had their injuries. Gold Coast would definitely allow them to score because it's just the way Gold Coast will play. But, um, you know, again, Gold Coast have been very consistent. They've been in touch with a lot of the top teams. They've been able to... Um, you know, grind out, they've got some absolute superstars in that midfield and in that four line and they've got some really good uh, intercept markers in that de- defence as well. Uh, and that showed against St Kilda last week. But, yeah, hopefully the, the consistency we've seen Sam from Gold Coast shows up again and uh, maybe a bit better with their ball movement and ball skills. Not as uh, They don't butcher the footy as much and probably don't try and play as quick and uh, make some silly errors. And that should be enough to beat Essendon. But... Uh, and I'll be tipping Gold Coast, but yeah, it's a 50-50 game for sure. And if Essendon can make the most of the opportunities, especially from turnovers and that back half turnovers, and uh, and maybe keep the ball inside 50 for a bit longer, and then they're definitely in with a chance as well. There's a lot of maybes there. That's like if Essendon can finally, you know, play good forward pressing football, then maybe they win a game. So too many maybes there for mine. Also, just a little edges here. So obviously it's at home for Gold Coast. They've got an extra day's rest. So in this year where huge travel issues, that kind of thing. Look at other sports like the NBA where traveling is a constant. If you've got a team that's had a bit of extra rest and playing at home versus a team coming to you off the back of previous travel, uh, you usually go for that home rested team. So Gold Coast with a slight edge, the odds reflect that. Tip Gold Coast in this one, but probably don't part with any cash because it's much too close to call. Speaking of not parting with any cash, probably don't even part with your remote 
Give it over to your housemate or your partner if you're lucky to still live with one during this COVID breakdown. A tip and forget game for everyone. Tuesday, 6.35, the worst time slot ever, but who cares because no one will be watching. Adelaide, $4 outsiders, Collingwood, $1.23 favourites at the Adelaide Oval. The line here is a whopping 21.5, the over-under, one twelve. I presume you're not really nervous, surely, Bez. Surely Collingwood has Adelaide covered. I'm about to say something here and um – Put the big moz on it. So if you're listening to this, go put five dollars on um, Adelaide and North Melbourne. The next two games they play all, uh, when they play us this week and next week. From what I've seen and what their fixtures tossed up, because they've already played each other and they've already played Gold Coast and they've already played Carlton and Melbourne. North Melbourne and Adelaide won't win a game again this year, and North Adelaide will definitely go through the year on without winning a game. It's the the two team of Adelaide on against uh, Melbourne tonight was. It was pretty ordinary for three quarters. Like they're lucky that Melbourne were just as terrible because they should have been put away. Then Melbourne finally did. Um, and then watching North Melbourne last night was just disgusting. And I can't see how. Uh, surely, even with our injuries, how we, we will let them get anywhere near us. Like I think the line's pretty fair, to be honest. Twenty-one points. We don't generally put away teams, and we're not a big scoring team ourselves. But geez, I can't see how Adelaide beat us, and I can't see how Adelaide win a game this year. Yeah, I can't see how we lose to North Melbourne either. But you know, I've now I've said that. Watch us lose both games, and uh, Buckley be under pressure, keep his job probably. But yeah, surely, surely we're even with some injuries and some probably resting a few players where um, we can get the job done here because players will come in wanting to hold. Like you know, Cox might come back and hopefully get a game in a Murphy and stuff like that. They, they, they're going to want to play well and keep their spot because they know finals is around the corner. So. You know, we should be we should be winning our next three games against Adelaide, Melbourne, and, Col- and North Melbourne. But um, now I've said that, we'll probably lose all three. Well, history's in your favour here because the Magpies have won their last two against the Crows, both at Adelaide Oval, both by more than forty eight points. The last time, Jamie Elliott kicked five goals, and uh, it was a sixty six point drumming. And that was against the Adelaide side that was half decent. So imagine what they can do against an Adelaide side that's absolutely no good. Tip Collingwood, and uh, don't watch it though. It's going to be a bad game of footy, for sure. You got any feature bets, mate? I I just reckon Freeman will head-to-head at $2.10. And for a bit of value, if you take St Kilda into Freeman, you're going to get... Um, five dollars forty, probably a bit more of the power play. And again, if you take uh, St Kilda, Freo, Collingwood, um, you're going to get nearly seven bucks. So, um, I mean, even if you want to take all four games and add Gold Coast, just go the four twelve bucks. A bit of rough, but definitely Freo had to head two dollars ten, and there's a bit of value there. I reckon with St Kilda and Freo straight up. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm probably heading and. Check the weather in Perth because if it's uh, going to be wet, uh, look at the unders in the Ferro Hawthorne game. Very sensible bets there, albeit a lot of value and a lot of outside runners. But, you know, as they say, that's that's horse racing, except it's footy, but whatever. <laughs> All right, Baz, good to chat footy with you again and, and uh, we'll be back for another day ending with why that has football on in a not-too-distant future. We'll probably, what was it, Wednesday or Thursday, I'll probably be chatting again. Another four or five games coming up, so. The fun keeps coming at the Festival of Football. <laughs> it is good. Although the football hasn't been great with the less rest. So those people saying uh, 
less interchanges, I'm going to need to think about the style of football we're going to get because uh, if you think the skills and that are bad right now, wait till the players are cooked playing full-length games with only 20 interchanges or whatever because you need a lot more turnovers and a lot more poor footy skills. So just think about the overall aspect of the game.